Have you been thinking about your mind a little bit? Well, if you haven't, I'm going to teach you how to be aware of what you're thinking about and beginning to renew your thoughts because all of us get stuck in toxic thinking. We all get stuck with loops and we get stuck with these stupid narratives that tend to keep us from feeling powerful, from living powerfully, and, you know, just from just stopping the insanity of our minds. So today we're going to talk all about mindsets in my March series. I'm Havala, your podcast host at the Home with Havala podcast. Uh, We're going into session two of mindsets. If you missed last week, you might want to pop over there and listen to that one first, although you don't have to. Most importantly, subscribe to the podcast so you know when the next one is coming out. You guys, buckle up your seatbelt, pop on your walking shoes, grab your cup of coffee. Let's spend the next few minutes unpacking what it looks like to renew our minds. Okay, so let's let's look at this for a minute. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 says this foundational scripture about our minds. It says, though, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Um, verse four, the weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And then it tells us how we demolish arguments, every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, okay, have a, that's a lot. What are we talking about? Well, in the, in the words in, in first Corinthians, second Corinthians, excuse me, he's saying, Hey, Hey, wake up the war that you're facing right now internally. That war is not the war on the outside. It's the war on the inside. That's what a spiritual battle is. It's not the warring against the spouse or the kid or the boss or the economy. That's not the war. That's the outward war. But the inward war is the spiritual war. And that war is what we are living in. And we have a different, we have different weapons to win that war. And so the weapons that we use against the internal battle is not the same we use on the outside. It's not if, you know, my, this person would start talking, right. If my kids would start listening this way, then the battle would be over wrong. How many of you know that once you win one battle or, or something gets resolved, there's another battle waiting for you. And it's always in the mind. There's something in it, like in, intrinsically in our lives that obviously caused it to be a battle. Why? Well, the battle that we face that is won and lost in the internal battle, we have to understand those weapons so we can begin to defeat because the enemy knows if we can lose the battle internally, we will definitely win, lose the battle externally. Like that's the power of the internal battle. And he wants us so focused on the external battles that we're facing, the conflict, you know, the argumentative, the, the, the disagreements, the opinions. He wants us so focus, focused on that, that we would give no, no authority, like no attention to the internal battle. I don't know about you, but when I think about fighting my internal battle, I think it feels harder because I'm alone in that battle. You know, externally, I can say this person did this and this is wrong. And I can have a friend come alongside and say, yeah, I agree with you. Or, you know, I can have somebody say, you know, I could say we need help here and somebody can help me. But my internal battle in the mind is very much my own battle. And it requires me to kind of grow up, to show up like a grown up, and to begin to do the work. And no one's going to know the work I'm doing. And so it, it doesn't have as much 
seems to have not as much value, right? It almost doesn't have as much flair and amazingness. And nobody sees the winning of that battle until later. But I want you to know that you have a battle internally in your mind. So do I. And it literally says in scripture that we have, we have a power, we have authority to fight that battle. But if you're using external means, you're not going to win. You're going to be even more defeated and you're going to feel even more helpless and hopeless. And so it, it really shows us that there are, there's a divine power that we have. And that divine power is to demolish the, the arguments that are coming against us and every uh, pretension, which is every, every idea, every perspective, every argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of God that is anti-God. And I'm going to tell you what that means. Cause you might be thinking, oh, that's just the demonic. And I, I'm going to explain that to you because it's not, it's actually, this is our scripture as believers. This isn't a scripture for unbelievers. It's for believers. It's for us. And then it says to take every thought captive uh, to make it obedient to Christ. So Here's what I really want you to see is that the battle you face, the, the decision you're trying to make, and you're feeling anxious about it. You don't know what decision is best. You don't know what to do next. Maybe you don't know what the right answer is, or you can't get the person that's in your life to believe you that this is the right thing. Your mind is where it's going to be won or lost. And your relationship with your mind is critical. You might say, well, with the Lord, right? Yes, of course. But your mind is your constant companion. It's the thing that's going to go with you throughout the rest of your life, whether you stay married, whether your kids are raised and grow up or whatever it is, every age you're in, your mind is going to be your constant companion. And so investing in your mind is one of the greatest things you can do uh, to win your life, to win at life is to go after your mindset. So I love what it says in the amplified version of this chapter. It says, we, we are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What does that mean? It means that you and I, each of us are faced on a daily basis with sophisticated arguments and, and exalted things, like things that are lifted high and promoted that are against what God wants, what God thinks, what God desires. So that means you are being fed a demonic narrative consistently about your life. The world is feeding you a demonic narrative about your marriage. He's feeding you a demonic narrative about being single. He's feeding you a demonic narrative about your time, about what's happening in your life. He's feeding you a demonic argument about your community of faith, about what it means to be a person that believes in God, that believes that there's life in the womb, that believes that there is um, a man and a woman, there's a sacredity between the relationship between the two, uh, we, to believe in marriage, right? These are things that are having sophisticated arguments against this truth that there is a man and there is a woman and they are created in the likeness of God and that God wasn't confused when he put you in the womb. God wasn't confused that he made you a man or a woman. I'm not dismissing that we have very real um, feelings and mind uh, mindsets and even, uh, you know, chemical things that we need to be, you know, if we feel a certain way and we don't feel comfortable in our body or we feel like we don't fit in the feminine box or the masculine box, then yes, I don't dismiss that that's how you feel. But I, I want us to get a little 
higher than I don't, I'm not belonging here, or this doesn't feel right. That feeling of I don't belong here, or I'm not fulfilled, or this isn't meeting every need is not a weird narrative. Most every adult that I meet that love God or have done certain things and made choices according to the Bible, they're still in the battle of needing to tear down sophisticated arguments because yeah, marriage is hard, right? Marriage is tough. It does seem easier to get rid of marriage. It does seem easier to exalt our sexuality above all, because then it's meeting the need from a deep level. And we feel like we're more alive when our sexual needs are met or we're seen as the, in this, in that way. I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying, these are the arguments. Um, it does seem mean when we say, um, you know, you're not allowed to marry whoever you want. It does seem mean that you can't just be true to yourself. These are narratives and they sound good because they're presented in a compassionate, empathetic, hope-filled way. But, but I want you to know that the Bible is not confused and these are sophisticated arguments. It's why we're going to end up going, that sounds kind of right. Kind of, I'm not mean. I'm not trying to hurt people. I'm not trying to make people hate God. I don't want people to be burdened by an unwanted pregnancy. I'm not wanting people to live with a desire for the opposite sex their whole life and be tortured by that. No, I don't, I don't want that. And so there's a sophisticated argument that begins to be like made in our minds. And if we're not aware that the enemy is trying to gain access to our mindsets, we will let those narratives slip in and we will, we'll just think, oh, you know what? I'll deal with it later. Like, is it really a big deal? It doesn't affect my life. My kids aren't dealing with that. My community isn't, a, you know, championing that. So it doesn't really matter. And if we're not aware, the enemy is looking for roads to get in so that the argument of this age, the argument of this culture somehow slips right above the, the true knowledge of what God said. It just, it doesn't have to be anti-God. It just has to be elevated above God, right? It has to be the, the more progressive thought process. It's, it's gotta be the night. It's nicer than God. It's kinder than God. It's more loving than God because love wins. No, God is love. God wins. That's what wins, not love. God wins. And because God is love, love wins, right? So if all we're doing is taking the thought of love wins, then we'll begin to elevate anything that looks like love, sounds like love, acts like love, but it may be a perverse love. It may be a, you know, a love that is lesser. It may be just a self-gratifying love, but it's not a, a laying down your life love. It's not a wholesome love. It's not a sacrificial love. It's a love that says, my needs are elevated above everybody else's needs. And that isn't love. That's a selfish love. That's a love that is found in scarcity. It's found in, I better meet my needs because nobody else will. And if my needs aren't met, then I'm going to be left wanting and no one's going to care. That's, that's the narrative of a orphan spirit rather than a son or a daughter of God that says, I trust that if I'm not getting my need met in that way at this moment, either God has a plan to help me figure that out, or I don't need it above what God has called me to.
or I'm willing to sacrifice my needs for my future. Like so many times as a married woman, I've had to literally say, Havala, I know that looks like the easy road, but you can't have both. We're going to talk about this. So don't worry. We're going to get this. You can't have both worlds. You can't be a married woman and act like a single girl, right? You can't be a faith minister and, you know, act like it doesn't matter on the weekdays. No, you can't live like that. It just doesn't work that way. And if, if you do, it will, it'll be found out because it's just, it's impossible to live in two worlds. We're going to talk about that. So, and then it talks about us figuring out how to take every thought and every purpose, every motive of our heart captive. It means we take authority over the thought. We take authority over the purpose and we bring it into obedience of Christ, which means we bring it into the authority of Christ. We say that my thought and my purpose that's elevated itself above what Christ has said and what Christ has told me is true is going to be under the highest opinion. It's vetoed by what I know Christ has said. This requires humility. It requires um, authenticity. It requires vulnerability. It requires perseverance. It requires pain because change is pain, right? We requires often pain is required for change. So when we begin to understand that your mind without God is at war with God, oh my gosh, that's when things begin to change. Listen, you can't just leave a neutral mind on autopilot and it will just stay in autopilot. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's not true. The Bible says that a mind, your mind either goes, it veers towards God or against God. And it begins to exalt God thoughts or worldly thoughts, selfish thoughts, demonic thoughts. So our mind is choosing which way it's going to be powerful, but it doesn't just stay in neutral. Your mind does not stay in neutral. And the enemy likes to use our minds to create arguments and to create walls and to create things, uh, strongholds and, and offense so that we will not be free in our mind. And the Bible says that without Christ, we, we did not want Christ. Our mind was not going, well, I think I need a savior. Your mind's like, don't serve God. That's ridiculous. You don't need that. You know, get your needs met. Your mind is, is self-focused. It's self-gratification. It's, it's anti-God. And I'm going to show you this in Romans eight, seven, it says the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Verse eight, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Wow. That's pretty clear. Romans eight, it says the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. That means led by your own fleshly desires, by your own fleshly wants, needs, thoughts, is, is and does not submit to God's overarching desire for us and his, his, his kingdom. Well, it, before, listen, if it's not governed by God, then it cannot submit to God. And then it also says, uh, if you're in the realm of the flesh, you can't please God. Wow. That means if you're not actively taking thoughts captive and putting them under the authority of God, then you actually can't please God. That's wild. I mean, that's, that's deep. 
You want to please God, renew your mind is basically what it's saying. You want to please God, then take your thoughts captive. Wow. Some of us go, I need to go pray more and worship more and do this and do that. And I'm like, why don't we just start with like taking your thoughts captive every day for five minutes? We're going to talk about how to do that. But what if we saw that as obedient? And what if we saw that as your purpose for this season, rather than elevating a, a choice, right? Elevating an, a practice, a spiritual practice. This is a spiritual practice, the Bible says. Did that speak to you? I hope it did. Listen, if there's somebody that you think needs this podcast, do them a favor, send them the podcast series. You don't have to preach the whole podcast to them. I've been guilty of that, telling somebody the entire podcast and then realizing, wait, I can share this. If you look in your little app, you'll see a share button and you can actually share it to a friend. And when they pop on their podcast app, they'll see that you shared it with them. So don't forget to do that. Hey, if you're listening to this in real time, I'm in Arizona, at least I'm on my way to Arizona, and I'm speaking at the Level Up event with my friends, Doug and Tia Wood. It's a business conference. Um, it's a lot of people that love God, but it's a business-focused conference. And you guys, I cannot believe I'm co-speaking, not together, <laughs> but sharing the stage with John Maxwell. Is that not insane? John Maxwell, the legendary business leader, leadership developer. I mean, I would I would just be in the room. And the fact that I get to share the stage is pretty is a huge honor. So if you're in that area, join us. And if nothing more, follow my socials so you can kind of see behind the scenes of that experience. Guys, I love you. I love the podcast crew. I think you guys are incredible. And I love being home with you. So if you love the podcast, like I said, don't forget to share it with a friend and make sure to subscribe so you connect next week for the third session of March Mindsets. All right, love you guys. Bye. Bye.